today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. If we don't understand that and believe that by faith, God is going to have the final word. God overrules all and rules over all. And I am looking forward to the day, and I say this in a sanctified way, when every knee will bow and every ugly tongue, and they're ugly, (laughs) will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I can't wait. It often looks outwardly as if Satan and his demons are getting away with an awful lot. Many a travesty happens without justice being served. In today's message with Pastor J.D., you'll be reminded that God's day is coming. He has a plan to bring swift justice to all who have sinned against Him. Now be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in Isaiah chapter 14 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. We are in this amazing book of Isaiah. We'll be in chapter 14, which if you're not already there, we'd encourage you to turn there so you can join with us in our study. We'll ask God to bless our time together in His Word tonight. If you would please join with me. Loving Heavenly Father, would you at this time just settle our hearts and clear our minds so that we can give you our undivided attention, especially with the portion that we have here before us in your word here in Isaiah. Lord, we need for the Holy Spirit to speak in that still, small, refining voice in such a way that we would hear what it is that the Spirit is saying to us, your church. Lord, we need to hear you speak into our lives and minister to us, Lord. I know many just heavy and burdened and discouraged and even downcast. And So Lord, I pray that you would, as only you can, just strengthen our hearts and encourage our hearts with what we have here in your word. Lord, thank you for your word. And thank you for our time together in your word. Bless it, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Commencing with chapter 13 last week, and then this is going to be on through to chapter 23. We embarked on a study of what's referred to as the book of burdens. Isn't that perky? (laughs) Burdens because of the heaviness of the judgments from God on the nations that surround Israel, that Isaiah is prophesying to Israel, which is interesting. And the reason I emphasize and point that out is because one would think that these judgments coming upon these surrounding nations would serve as a warning to these surrounding nations, but it's not. This is not for them. 
It's certainly a judgment coming upon them. However, it is prophesied to Israel. Why? That's the question. The question becomes one of, why would God declare to Israel what He will do for Israel concerning the enemies of Israel? That's the question. I would suggest that the answer to that question is the same answer to our question concerning the enemy today, which I think you would agree. As you see the evil in the world today, it seems to be waxing worse and worse with each passing day, and it almost seems as if evil is prospering, and the wicked are getting away with it, and as believers in and followers of Jesus Christ, it has become abundantly clear (laughs) that we have way overstayed our welcome in this world, not our home. Well, that's why we have a chapter like this in our Bibles. It's because God wants us to have hope in Him, trust in Him, and know now that He's going to have the final word in the end. And just like them then, He wants us now to know, I'll take care of it. I got this. I know what they're doing. Oh, I know it might look on the outward appearance as if they're getting away with it. And it might even seem as though I'm letting them get away with it. So much so that if you're anything like me, and I suspect that you are, it's kind of like, Lord, do you see what they're doing? Yes, I do. Do you know what they're doing? Of course I know what they're doing. I'm all-knowing. I know exactly what they're doing the evil plan of man. But here's the thing, God has a plan too, right? And in the end it will be His plan that will prevail over the evil plan of man. And He wants to remind us of that. He wants us to know that going into this, because if we don't understand that and believe that by faith, God is going to have the final word. God overrules all and rules over all. And I am looking forward to the day, and I say this in a sanctified way, when every knee will bow and every ugly tongue, and they're ugly, (laughs) will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I can't wait, but I have to wait, (laughs) and so do you. It's like God's saying, just wait, you'll see. We talked about this a little bit last week, and I kind of want to pick up on this. And I'll tell you why. It's these four words, just wait, you'll see, that settle my heart. Because... (laughs) absent, knowing by faith 
that God is going to judge in the end, I would go out of my mind. I would go out of my mind. It keeps me settled, anchored, and dare I say, and this is not hyperbole, it keeps me sane. Sanity in a world of insanity. And it's like God saying, just settle down, calm down, just wait. You'll see what I'm going to do. Just wait, you'll see. You'll see what I'm going to do in the end. What are you going to do, Lord? Oh, I'm going to judge. And I'm going to destroy Satan and bring an end to evil. Just wait, you'll see. I hope you don't mind, but I'm going to be saying that a lot. So when you go home, you know what's going to happen? You're going to be hearing, just wait, you'll see. And that's a good thing. (laughs) This is what we're about to see here in this chapter, specifically as it relates to Babylon, both then and now, as well as the enemy behind Babylon, the devil himself. God is going to take care of it. Just wait, you'll see. Verse 1, for the Lord will have mercy on Jacob. You know who Jacob is? Israel. And will still choose Israel. That's interesting. And the reason it's interesting is because oftentimes we're so prone to think, you know, man, where's God? (laughs) Seems like my prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. My prayers, my pleas are met with just silence. No, He's still there. And settle them in their own land. The strangers will be joined with them, and they will cling to the house of Jacob. Then people will take them and bring them to their place, and the house of Israel will possess them for servants and maids in the land of the Lord. They will take them captive, whose captives they were, and rule over their oppressors. So right out of the chute here, first two verses. This speaks to how that God's judgment is synonymous with God's mercy. Let me explain. The Lord's going to have mercy on Israel. The Lord's going to have mercy on His people. The Lord's going to have mercy on us. How? (laughs) By judging them, by judging the enemy. In judging the enemy, He's showing mercy to us. Verse 3, it shall come to pass, in the day the Lord gives you rest from your sorrow, listen to this now, and from your fear, oh, where do I sign? Rest from my sorrow? Rest from my fear? Oh yeah, and it gets better. And the hard bondage in which you were made to serve that you, verse 4, will take up this proverb against the king of Babylon and say, 
how the oppressor has ceased, the golden city ceased. The Lord, verse 5, has broken the staff of the wicked, the scepter of the rulers. He who struck the people in wrath with a continual stroke, he who ruled the nations in anger, is persecuted and no one hinders. In other words, not only is this for the king of Babylon then, it's also a prophecy for Babylon in both Revelation 17 and 18. Stay with me on this. This is a twofold prophecy, because we see Babylon, the system, the Babylon system, the world system of the Antichrist, merge and re-emerge and rear its ugly head. And it's ugly. I'm into ugly tonight. I don't know why. And we see it in Revelation. And God will judge Babylon, and Babylon will fall. It is decisive, and it will happen. And we're going to see that here in a moment. Verse 7, the whole earth is at rest and quiet. I like that word quiet. Don't you? I would love me some of that there quiet, because <laughs> my life's kind of noisy and busy and loud. I like quiet. I like rest. I think of the words of the Savior, come unto me, all you that are heavy laden, weary, burdened, busy, and I will give you rest for your souls. My burden is light. My yoke is easy. My way is quiet. Oh, that quiet. They break forth into singing. Indeed, verse 8, the cypress trees rejoice over you, and the cedars of Lebanon, saying, Since you were cut down, no woodsman has come up against us. And this is interesting, verse 9. Hell from beneath is excited about you. Oh, to meet you at your coming. It stirs up the dead for you. All the chief ones of the earth. It has raised up from their thrones all the kings of the nations. They all, verse 10, shall speak and say to you, Have you also become as weak as we? Have you become like us? What in the world is this about? Well, it's about Satan. And the welcoming committee there to greet him in hell. And here's the thing, very important, please don't miss this. Satan is not going to be in charge of hell. Is that not the image that we have? Like he's down there, you know, <laughs> in charge of hell? No, he's not going to be in charge of hell. He will be tormented in hell, just as all those he brought with him to hell. I can't wait. Just wait, you'll see. It will happen. He's going to get what's coming to him. 
And by the way, I don't think it's going to be too long with the way things are going in the world today. Would you agree with that too? Again, I, you'll forgive me if I'm repeating myself, but God wants us to know this now. He wants us to be mindful of this now, because when you see what's happening, it keeps you anchored because, okay, just wait. <laughs> You'll see. You, you, you're you're going to get it. You're going to get yours. I mean, right now you're, you're having a heyday, aren't you? Well, you have reservations in this place called hell. And apparently they're very excited for you to come. They're going to be right there to meet you. And actually they're going to ask you a question. Oh, come on in. You've become just like us. Come on in. We're going to be here for a while. And by the way, <laughs> let me just parenthetically say, contrary to what the demonic and satanic songs sing about, about being on the highway to hell, and all my friends are going to be there too. Well, not mine, I hope. <laughs> they will be, but it's not going to be a party. It's going to be hell, and it's for all eternity. And you're going to be judged, and Satan with you. Verse 11, your pomp is brought down to Sheol, and the sound of your, and this is important, stringed instruments. It's verses like this, and what we're going to see here in a moment in Ezekiel, that have led many to believe that Lucifer, which means light bearer, was actually the worship leader of heaven, the angel of music. Your stringed instruments. The maggot is spread under you, and worms cover you. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations, deceived the nations, all the nations of the earth. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I, ay, <laughs> ay, 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 ay. As one so aptly said, Lucifer had an eye problem. And oh, by the way, we all have an eye problem. It should be noted that the letter I is right smack in the middle of the word sin. So too is I right smack in the middle of, wait for it, here it comes, pride. And it gets better, one more, 
I is right smack in the middle of Lucifer. Ay, 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 ay. Let's talk about these two words, I will. Oh, you will, will you? This is self-will. It's been referred to as the unholy trinity, me, myself, and I, on the throne of my life. I will. Doubtless you've heard of a, an evil man by the name of Aleister Crowley. Well, I might as well go there. Why not? The Beatles? I'm going to ruin some of your nights here when I say this. Sold their souls to the devil. Make no mistake about it. You know that famous album, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band? i got to be careful here because I'll have a flashback. I'm not kidding you. And even right now some of you are, I didn't mean to do that to you, but you know who Sgt. Pepper was? Oh, he taught the band to play, right? Sergeant Pepper was none other than Aleister Crowley. A Satanist in every sense of the word, Satanist. Self-proclaimed. It was said of him that he was the most evil man who ever lived. You know, uh, he lived in the UK. And he bought a uh, large home, and do you know that it was Jimmy Page and Robert Plant that actually bought that place? I'm going to take it just one step further. Please indulge me. I think you'll see why here in a moment. Arguably the most famous song ever written. You know what it is? Stairway to Heaven. Do you know that they were sitting in Aleister Crowley's house, which they owned, and one night Jimmy Page had this prompting, and he had Robert Plant get the pen to write the words to a song that had come to him. And they're quoted in Rolling Stone magazine many, many years ago, as saying that it was like something pushed the pen. The words flowed effortlessly, and not one word to that song was ever changed. Aleister Crowley taught to recite backwards, sing backwards, walk backwards. Do you know what you hear when you play Stairway to Heaven backwards? Oh, by the way, Satanists will read backwards. Here's why. Evil, E-V-I-L, is live, L-I-V-E, backwards. You see? Do you know what Stairway to Heaven says backwards? He will give you 666. I'm a little child of Satan. There is power in Satan. The whole song, and this is something that man cannot do. This is Satan, the angel of music. He's furthered his musical career, you might say, 
We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. If you think that the gospel is only in our first four books of the New Testament, you'll quickly learn through this book of Isaiah that the gospels mentioned throughout. It must have been interesting for Isaiah to write the things he did in the course of his life. He was a prophet used by God who lived while several kings of Judah reigned. From their outright wicked behavior to a king like Hezekiah, Isaiah experienced the people living in rebellion and then turning toward God, realizing their need for him. God used Isaiah in a mighty way to influence these kings and to speak to them about what was yet to come. God can use you in the place you're at today as well. It may not seem as influential or powerful of a position, but God has you right where he wants you, to use you in the place you are. Are you involved in a local church? If not, we invite you to join us at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. We meet on Sundays at 8.30 or 10.45 a.m. and Thursdays at 7 p.m. for Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can get directions at our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, be sure to check out Pastor J.D.'s additional teachings as well as his Mideast Prophecy Updates, an accurate look at what the Bible has to say about this time in our world. That's all we have for today, but thanks for tuning in to spend this time with us. We hope you'll join Pastor J.D. for our next edition as we learn more valuable things from this interesting book of Isaiah, right here on In Spirit and Truth. 